This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, and we're going to talk about uh, more and more of God's glory. More and more of God's glory and continual restoration. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So whenever he says, okay, we're not going to lose heart, say that I'm not going to lose heart. And then he goes in talking about what he's looking at. And he says, even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. Now notice what he's saying here, our light affliction. Now when Paul is writing this, he's talking about when he was beaten and left for dead and he calls it light affliction. He's talking about when the ship, you know, blows apart, he says light affliction. He's talking about all the perils, all the, the storms and tragedies and the things that he went to. And he says, the way that I see it is light so I want us to think about maybe we've been going through severe attacks or maybe you've been going through a lot of different issues in life. And Paul is saying, I encourage you to look at it and look at it like it's light. Amen. Say it, it's light. it's light. And he goes on to say, which is but for a moment is working for us. It's working for us. In other words, he's saying, my approach is I'm not looking at this issue that it's against me, but I'm going to approach it correctly and it's going to work for me. See, whenever we begin to mature and grow, when a problem comes, the psalmist David said, God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And a lot of times the problem isn't the problem. It's how we look at the problem. That's the problem. And Paul is saying that, okay, this light affliction, it's going to work for me. Me getting beaten and left for dead, I'm going to make it work for me. Every attack that Satan has put against my life, I'm going to make it work for me. Say it, it's working for me. He says, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. Say it, temporary. Temporary meaning fleeting. Temporary meaning lasting only a moment. But the things which are not seen are eternal. What's not seen? The Holy Spirit is not seen. You know, Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 18, he says, the world doesn't know him, but you know him. Because he's in you and he's with you. Say, I know him. And if you haven't developed a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He is a person. And He desires to help us and strengthen us and stand by us and comfort us and intercede for us. So what's not seen is the Holy Spirit. What's not seen is the power of God. You can't see the power of God, but you see the effects of the power of God. 
He says, so instead of spending so much time focusing on the problem, look at what you can't see. Look at the heart of the Father with the help of the Holy Spirit. Look at the power of God. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. What's not seen is the Holy Spirit. What's not seen is the power of God. What's not seen is the Word of God. Isaiah 40, verse 8, one of Dr. Savell's favorite scriptures. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. It stands forever. So Paul is saying, get a hold to yourself. He's saying, get a hold to what you're looking at. Instead of spending so much time, because whatever we look at, we draw from. If I'm looking at the problems continually, I'm going to draw from the problems. But if I'm looking to what I can't see, I'm looking at the promise. I'm looking at the spirit of God. I'm looking at the power of God. I'm looking at the faithfulness of God. Then I'm going to draw from the faithfulness of God. And I'm going to begin to, instead of looking at the size of the problem, I'm going to look at the size of the God that I serve. And when I look at the size of the God I serve, I look at this problem and I let it know you're light. I let it know it's nothing. I let it know you're going to work for me instead of taking me out, I'm going to become stronger. I'm going to become bolder. I'm going to become greater in the kingdom, all for the glory of God. But we've got to have the right mindset. It's working for me. Say it. It's working for me. It's working for me. What in your life do you need to switch and make it work for you? See, we can't change what's happened in the past, but we can take the seeds of success that we've learned and plant the seeds in our present to help produce the future that God has promised. So don't look at our past as, okay, it's nothing. It's No, no, go, go back and pull up the seeds that you learned how to praise in a way that you wouldn't have learned how to praise when everything's going easy. You go back and you look at how God healed the brokenhearted. You go back and you look at how God provided every one of your needs. You go back and you look at God healed your body and you take that and you plant it into today, one day at a time, and you begin to pray and praise and worship like you believe God is faithful and he's true and you let the devil know, you working for me, every attack is gonna work for me and you're gonna regret Regret that you even showed up in my life because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Listen to some other translations in the Amplified Classic, verse 17. He says, for our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more and more and more and more and what? And more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us. Say for me. An everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations of vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. A blessedness never to cease. It's working for me. It's preparing, it's producing, it's achieving 
a blessedness that never ceases. The empowerment to move forward never ceases. What God is doing in us right now, as we sit under the word of God, there's an empowerment to move us forward and it will never cease. We're not going to stay where we are. We're either moving backwards or moving forward. Say, I'm moving forward. And so when we hear God's word and we do God's word, James, the half brother of Jesus tells us we are blessed in our doings. We're empowered to move forward. And Paul is saying, okay, there's an empowerment taking place in you and on you. That's never going to cease. Say it. It's never going to cease. There's a weight that's taking place. You're stepping into glory, more glory, more and more and more and more, more abundant glory that it's not going to cease. The momentum that is taking place in the spirit realm, in the body of Christ, we haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. The miracles, the signs, the wonders, the revelation, the provision, the breakthrough, no devil in hell can stop us from being who God's called and created us to be. But we've got to approach the situation knowing it's working for me. Today, every sign of the enemy, it's working for me. Just like when you go to the gym and there's resistance on the weight, it's working for you. It's working for me. I'm going to praise like I have the victory. I'm going to worship like I have the victory. I'm going to give like I'm the wealthy man that I am. All for the glory of God. It's working for me. It's working for me. The passage translation, verse 17 says, we view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see, so we're viewing and we're seeing our difficulties as the substance that produces for us, say it for us, an eternal weighty glory far beyond all comparison. So how are you viewing your trouble? How are you seeing your trouble in the message translation, it says, so we're not giving up. Say, we're not giving up. There's times we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and encourage ourselves just like David did. I'm not giving up. Say it, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on my family. I'm not giving up on my finances. I'm not giving up on what I'm believing God for. I am not giving up. Paul says, we're not giving up. Say it, I'm not giving up. There's times that we need to encourage each other. Don't you give up. You still have a purpose. You still have an assignment. You still have a destiny. You're still gifted. God knew the end from the beginning. And when you showed up, 600 million sperm were fighting after the egg in your mother. And God said, now is the time that you arrive. You're not an accident. You're not a surprise. He already went to the end of your life. And he said, you got what it takes right now to be who you're called and created to be. Don't you give up. Say it, don't you give up. I will never give up. I will never give up. You need to open your mouth and say, I will never give up. I will never give up believing God. I will never give up worshiping. I will never give up. You hear me, devil? I will never give up. I don't care what I face. It is light. It is nothing. I will never give up. Say it, I will never give up. I will never give up. Say it, I will never give up. See, you're, you need to hear yourself saying that. I will never give up. He goes on to say, how could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. <laughs> but he says on the inside, where God is. On the inside, where, where God is. Say it, where God is. Where God is. Where is God? God's not way out here. 
He is, but where God is. He says, where God is, making new life. Not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us, say for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Small potatoes. <laughs> Small potatoes. In other words, he's saying if you give up now, we'll never experience the good things that are coming. What we've seen in our lives and in the body of Christ is nothing. I mean, it's something. I don't belittle it, but it's, it's, it's small compared to where we're going. Don't you give up. And what I keep hearing the Spirit of God saying for the family of God is that He wants you and I to walk in continual restoration. See, he wants there to be a momentum in our faith that we walk in continual restoration, not just a little dab here and a little dab there. Continual, the word continual means frequently recurring. It means always happening. It means no interruptions. Restoration, we know it means to bring back to the original, but when God gets involved, he always multiplies, increases it, and makes it better. He improves our lives. So God is saying, I'm wanting where you saw a little bit here and a little bit there. I'm wanting my family to walk in continual restoration. Continual restoration, always happening. Always happening, even while we're sleeping. Always happening, while we're breathing. Always happening, continual restoration. Always happening, no interruptions, frequently recurring, bringing us back to who we're originally created to be. And when God gets involved, it is better, it multiplies, it increases, and our life is improved, all for the glory of God. Say it, continual restoration is mine. Now, Psalms 126, verses 1 through 4. Now, now realize that even though you might have been under severe attack, the light affliction, the devil is not bigger than us. He's not bigger than who we are in Christ Jesus. The greater one lives in us. Remember where God is. Where is he? Remember where God is. Remember where God is. Remember where God is. Remember where God is. So if I truly believe that God is in me, how am I going to think? How am I going to believe? How am I going to talk? How am I going to act? Remember where God is making new life even right now. Psalms 126. When the Lord brought back the captives who returned to Zion... We were like those who dream. It seemed so unreal. Then were our mouths filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Turn to freedom our captivity and restore our fortunes, O Lord, as the streams in the south, the Negev, are restored by the torrents. So notice what he says. When, when we were brought back, 
So when he's talking about Zion, Zion means a dwelling place of God. So when the Lord brought back the captives, you and I at one point in time were separated from God. We were captive, but when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we returned to a place of relationship. And he says, when there's a true returning, a true connection in the presence of God, he says, it's going to be like you begin to dream. You begin to see from your heart instead of seeing, just looking through your eyeballs, you begin to dream. You begin to see the winner that you are. You begin to see your purpose. You begin to see, and you begin to see so strong that what you look at out here doesn't talk you out of what you see because you realize I've come from the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it is like I'm dreaming because I see myself redeemed. I see myself healed. I see myself provided for. I see, and I just begin to sing and I begin to laugh. Why? Because you're looking from a different perspective. Psalms 2.4 says that God sits in the heavens and he laughs. <laughs> when you begin to see continual restoration, remember continual restoration, frequently recurring, always happening, no interruptions. When God gets involved in our life, he always improves it, makes it better, multiplies it. Continual restoration is mine. Then he says, then were our mouths filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, nations is just a group of people. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. But then there's a shift. The Lord has done great things for us. See, it's, it's, it's one thing to think, okay, God is going to do great things for them. Or I've seen God do great things for Vic. Or I've seen God do great things for this person and that, thir- that person. But then there's a shift. No, the God I know, he's doing great things for me. He does great things for me. The same way he did great things for David, he does it for me. The same way he did it for Moses, he does it for me. The same way he did it for Peter, he does it for me. God does great things for them. Praise you, Jesus. But he does great things for me. If anybody's going to experience the greatness of God, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to know the heart of God, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to know the plan and purpose of God, it's going to be me. Say it, it's going to be me. He does great things for me. He does great things in my family. He does great things financially. He does great things for me. We've got to take ownership of our relationship with God. I I was preaching uh, a while back and, and I was preaching on great is who God is and great things is what he does. Great is who God is and great things is what he does. And at the end of the service, this lady comes up and you could tell her head was whomper jawed. It was just, you know, disproportioned. And, and she said, I was in a car wreck and I hit this telephone pole and it shoved lodged part of the telephone pole in my skull and they wouldn't pull it out because it was too close to my brain. And remember, I've been teaching great is who God is. Great things is what he does. She says, would you pray over my head? I says, you better believe I'll pray over your head. And I put my hand upon this lady's head. And as I began to pray, you could feel the wood dissipate. And her head went right back down to normal. Because great is who God is. And great things is what he does. Great is who God is. 
and great things is what he does. He says, but, but we got to realize we've been brought back from captivity and I need you to dream again. How long has it been since you've let yourself dream again? Remember Ephesians 3.20, he says, I want to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that's at work on the inside of you. He says, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're dreaming, whatever you're praying, whatever you're desiring, I want to exceed it. Remember, more and more glory. There's a blessedness taking place, an empowerment that never ceases. Say it, it never ceases. And he says, when we, when we realize that we've returned, we're going to begin to dream. We're going to begin to see ourselves from God's perspective. We're going to begin to see our purpose. We're going to begin to see our vision. We're going to begin to see the plan that God has for our life. And not only are we just going to know that God will do it for you, but he does it for me. Say it, he does it for me. Then he goes on to say, and we're glad. I mean, yeah, we're glad. He says, turn to freedom our captivity and restore our fortunes, O Lord, as the streams in the south, the Negev, are restored by the torrents. See, continual restoration. And here the psalmist is saying, God, I'm asking you to restore your people, just like the torrents of rain, restore the Negev. The Negev was a dry place. It was a desolate place. It was unproductive. But when it began to rain, it was restored. It was completely made better. It was made alive again. It was made productive again. And I'm asking God to restore our fortunes. See, your fortunes are connected to your purpose. Your fortunes are connected to your gifting. Your fortunes are connected to what God has placed on the inside of you. And God is saying, I'm fixing to start restoring story, not every once in a while, but continual restoration. That area that was dead, it's going to come alive again. That area that was barren, it's going to come alive again because our God is a restoring God, not just every once in a while, but continual restoration is mine. Say it, continual restoration is mine. Frequently recurring, always happening, no interruptions, no interruptions. I don't care what devil is assigned to you, no interruptions. He's defeated. I don't care what the obstacle we face, no interruptions. You hear me, devil? No interruptions. The devil is not bigger than the God that we serve. And I keep seeing wave after wave after wave after wave after wave. There's a momentum in our faith. There's a momentum. The years of what we've been taught, God is bringing up the seed and bringing up the seed and bringing up the seed. And he's connecting revelation to revelation and inside to inside. And you're going to begin to ride the wave. You're going to begin to sense the momentum and continual restoration is mine. Not out there right now is mine. Say it, it's mine. It's mine. Now we could talk about continual restoration. In Psalms 51, the psalmist David says, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Continual restoration is mine. Restore to me. Why is joy so important? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we've learned if the devil can't steal our joy, he can't keep our goods, right? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. In Psalms 23, verse 3, it says, God, restore my soul. Continual restoration of the hurting, broken areas in our souls. Jeremiah 30, verse 17, it says, God, continually restore health and healing to my body. Continual restoration is mine. Say it. Continual restoration is mine. Joel chapter 2, verse 25 through 27. Say it. Continual restoration is mine. He said, I will restore to you the years. 
that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts, my great army which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I'm in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people will never be put to shame. So think about what he's saying. I'll restore the years. He's not saying I'll restore the day. I'll restore the week. I'll restore the month. I will restore the years. And he goes on and he starts describing all the different types of locusts. These locusts, they had set in, they had been in a four-year all hell on earth whenever he starts declaring this. And these locusts would show up and they could, they could consume 90 miles in one day. And there was nothing left. These are different phases of how the enemy steals, kills and destroys. And the prophet Joel, God through him is saying, I will restore the years. Continual restoration is mine. All the years, because see, there's shame whenever we can't do what God's called and created us to do. There can be shame whenever we put a lot of effort into our family and it looks like, remember, remember what the message translation said? It seems like everything is falling apart all around us. And he's saying there's coming a time I'm restoring the years, and my people will never be put to shame. See, it's always been God's plan that you and I eat plenty. It's always been God's plan that we're satisfied, and we begin to praise the name of the Lord our God, and we will never be put to shame another day in our life. See, there's shame when we can't pay our bills. There's shame when we can't be a blessing to other people. There's shame there, but he says, there's coming a time, and the time is now. Continual restoration is mine, and I will continually restore the years. I've not only been writing down what I know has been stolen in my life, I've been going back to mom and dad. What I know has been stolen in their life. He said years, then we're gonna get some years back out of the deal, right? Continual restoration is mine. In physical bones, there's somebody, your knees right now, your knees have been hurting, they've been grinding, and there's continual restoration taking place in your ligaments. The lubricant is released in your knee right now, all for the glory of God. Continual restoration is mine. There's somebody here that you've been having issues going up with your neck. The same deal. I just keep seeing like a grinding, like things have just been out of whack. Continual restoration. Right now, as you're sitting under the word of God, the anointing of God is going from the top right here. I feel it right here at the top of your head, and it's running right down your neck. Continual restoration is mine. Say it. Continual restoration is mine. Continual restoration is mine. And he's saying, I'm continually restoring the years, frequently recurring, always happening, no interruptions. I'm making it better. I'm improving it. When God gets involved, he always makes it better. Say better. Better, 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 better. My mind is better. My heart is better. My lungs are better. My kidneys are better. My family is better, 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 <laughs> better better. Thank you, Father. (laughs) Continual restoration. Better, better, better. There's individuals that you've been having issues in your stomach and God is making it better. 
He's making it better. See, Jesus knows how Satan operates. Remember John 10, 10? It says the thief, it's where we get our word klepto, kleptomaniac. In other words, he can't help himself. Jesus was there when Satan tried to overcome God's throne. He was there when he took the authority from Adam. He knows how Satan operates And he says he's a thief. It says it's just his nature. He can't help himself. He doesn't need your marriage, but he wants your marriage. He don't need your money. He just wants your money. He don't need your physical body. He just wants it. Anything that is made in the image and likeness of God, he can't help himself. He wants to enter your world, and he just wants to rob and steal and kill. and He is the thief. This is what Jesus is saying. He is the thief. He's wanting to wiggle his way into every area of your life, and he is wanting to rob you blind. He says he is the thief who, what is it? Talk to me. Steal. So he steals. He kills. This word kill is, is a, and when you look at it in the Greek, it's a sacrificial word. Like he'll even show up and try to sound like God. Remember what he did to Jesus in the wilderness? He started quoting scripture. Thank God Jesus knew the spirit of truth. And he knew the counterfeit. See, this word kill means so he'll try to sound like God and convince you it's been too long. It's been too hard. There's no way that things could come back together. You might as well just give it up and just sacrifice it. The word destroy means ruin. It means when you look at it, it it paints the picture of like somebody's shoes that the shoelaces come untied and you try to run your race, but your shoes fly off and eventually it leaves your whole life loose and in ruins. He's saying Satan tries to enter into your life and he just can't help himself. He's going to try to run everything that you're connected to. But we've got to remember, we have dominion and authority over him. We have the name that is above every name. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. You know this scripture. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came and and we've been taught and and it's correct that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. We need to win people. But when you look at these words, Jesus came to seek. Now I want you to picture this here. He came to seek. This word seek in the Greek means ferociously after you. He's ferociously after your gifts. He's ferociously after every part of you. Just how Satan can't help himself. He wants to get involved. When you look at Jesus being the carpenter, the word carpenter means artisan. And it means like he is so refined in what he does. He wants to reach into whatever needs restoring and he wants to make it shiny. He wants to reach into that heart part of your heart and he wants to make it shiny. The devil can't help himself, but God is saying, I can't help myself. I'm ferociously seeking you and to save you. The word save comes from sozo and it means like I'm going to rescue you from danger. I'm going to rescue you from a raging storm. I'm going to rescue you from sickness and disease and anything that steals, kills and destroys. Satan tried to wiggle his way into your life and he can't help himself. He wants to take you out. He wants to ruin you. But Jesus says, I'm on the scene. 
and I'm ferociously seeking you and your family and your calling and your destiny, and I can't help myself. I'm going to restore the lost year. I'm going to restore your mental capacity. I'm going to restore your heart and lungs and gifts and calling. I'm on the scene, and I can't help myself. I'm ferociously after you. He came to seek and to save me, you. He came to seek and to save me. And he's saying continual restoration is ours. Say it, continual restoration is mine. Just for time's sake. Huh. Go with me to Acts chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. I want to respect. Continual restoration is mine. Proverbs eleven thirty one says, part of restoration is recompense. It means payday. And Proverbs eleven thirty one says that the righteous will be recompensed. Not just in heaven. But on the earth. On the earth. That means here and it means now. Psalms 84 verse 11. I'll just read it to you and we'll we'll move on. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows present grace and favor and future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Walking uprightly means conforming to God's way of doing things. He says he gives present grace, meaning right here, right now, present grace, present favor, and future glory, future weight, future, there's momentum, momentum. It's picking up continual restoration is mine. Not a here, a little bit, there, no, no, never, never, never having interruptions, always happening. Say it, always happening. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, So repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God, that your sins may be erased, blotted out, and wiped clean, that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air, may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, I want us to think about the different areas of our life. And he, notice he says, so repent. Repentance is a gift. It's a gift. Re, the prefix re, re in front of any word, brings it back to the original. You're recreated. He says, now take your mind and renew your mind. He says, when you live a life of repentance, re, bringing you back pent, penthouse, there's a large room that you belong in in relationship with God. And he says, when you live with a repentant mind and heart, you belong in the presence of God. And he says, this is what takes place in the presence of God. So repentance keeps me in a relationship with God. Repentance isn't just me sucking my thumb and pulling my ear. If you need to cry, get it on. I mean, do whatever you have to do. But it means that when we miss it, Lord, I ask you to forgive me and I repent. I'm changing the way I think about that. I'm changing what's in my heart. He says, when I do this, I live with the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus washing over my life. It says it's wiped out. It's wiped clean. It's erased. And he goes on to say, because of this, that times 
of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving. The word refreshing means recovery of breath, revival. It means restore. So in the presence of God, he's saying continual restoration is mine. He said there's a recovering take place. There's a refreshing that takes place. There's a restoration that takes place in the presence of God, not being churchy, not being religious, but you're in the presence of God. You're, you're operating in what you know. You're not trying to operate in something you don't know. You're operating in something you do know. A lot of times we want more information and information is great, but transformation does not take place by information alone. Transformation takes place by application. So when I'm operating in what I know and I'm living a repentant lifestyle, he says there's a refreshing that begins to take place. There's a restoring that begins to take place. There's a reviving that begins to take place. Then he goes on to say, and a recovering. Recovery means regain, retaking or obtaining possession of what was taken or stolen. This takes place on the inside before it takes place on the outside. See, we've got we've to own it. We've got to see it on the inside. Remember, when we come back, we're like those who dream. We begin to see ourselves fulfilling our purpose. We begin to see it on the inside, and we don't let what we see on the outside shake what we see on the inside. There's a recovery. There's a, a regaining. You've got to see yourself as the righteousness of God in here before you live as the righteousness of God out here. It's who you are. You've got to regain it. You've got to take it. You've got to see yourself as the winner, the champion, the cleansed, the forgiven, the healed, the blessed, continually restored, always happening, always, no interruptions. It is happening now. And he goes on to say, and a reviving Reviving means to restore to life, regain life or strength or new energy. And where does this take place? In the presence of the Lord. Where does it take place? In the presence of the Lord. Joseph, Danny, if y'all would go ahead and come on up. I, I, I want us to, I want us just to take a, a moment as they just lead us there. That, that last song that y'all played and sang a while ago and, and I want you to receive what he's saying, this, this refreshing, this recovering, this regaining, new life, new strength, more and more glory, this continual restoration. See, the purpose for the, the presence of God is to break up any hard areas of our heart so our heart can receive the truth of continual restoration so our heart can receive the truth of the words that are coming on the horizon that are going to lead us in to further restoration, further revelation, further insight from faith to faith, glory to glory, line upon line, precept upon precept. So as we enter into the presence of God, I'm believing that any hard areas of our heart are broken. And I want you to see Jesus, the artist, and remember he can't help himself. When we let him, he wants to reach into that hurting part of our heart and he wants to make it shine. He wants to reach into that part of our soul. See, every one of us have been abused in the past before we knew Jesus. Amen. But let's let the artisan give us life and life more abundantly. 
means zest. It means so much life that it's like a, a river that overflows its banks. His goodness, His presence, a recovery, a renewal. Let's stand to our feet. See, God is wanting these sweet little prayers that we've been praying to turn into prayers of warfare. He's been, he's wanting these, the praises that have been coming out of our inner man to turn in to praises of victory, shouts of faith. Continual restoration is mine. Say it, continual restoration is mine.